Welcome. We hope you enjoy this recording from Christ City Church, based in Dublin, Ireland. For more podcasts and information on the church, please visit ChristCityChurch.ie. Thank you for listening. Thank you. Um, verse John 15, you can find it in the page 813. Um, I am the vine, you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. If you do not remain in me, you are like a branch that is thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up, thrown into the fire, and burned. If you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish, and it will be done for you. This is to my Father's glory, that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. My dis- disciples. disciples. <laughs> Sorry. And then we move to Acts 6. It's in page 824. The choosing of the seven. In those days, In those days, when the number of disciples was increasing, the Hellenistic Jews among the complaints against the Hebraic Jews, because their widows were being overlooked in the daily distribution of food. So the 12 gathered all the disciples together and said, it would not be right for us to neglect the ministry of the word of God in order to wait on tables. Brothers and sisters, choose seven men from among you who are known to be full of the spirit and wisdom. We will turn this responsibility over to them and will give our attention to prayer and the ministry of the word. This proposal pleased the whole group. They chose, they chose Stephen, a man full of faith and of the Holy Spirit, also Philip, Prochorus, Nicanor, Timon, Parmenas, and Nicholas from Antioch, a convert to Judaism. They presented these men to the apostles who prayed and laid their hands on them. So the word of of the God spread, the number of the disciples in Jerusalem increased rapidly, and a large number of priests became obedient to the faith. Thank you, Sandra. Uh, Do keep those uh, Bible passages open as we go, and uh, let me pray uh, as we get going. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you that it's living and active. We thank you that every time we open it, it speaks to us, and challenges us and comforts us. And we pray you would do those two things today. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So it's uh, a new season for Christ City Church. We start a three-week sermon series called Church 101, Lessons in Church Leadership, in preparation for Maffi and I being appointed as elders in three weeks' time. So it's a significant and important moment in the life of the church. Our desire is that these three talks would help prepare each of us to understand the role of an elder and what elders do to shepherd and lead the church. And so we're going to be thinking about the church, different analogies. Today's a fruitful vine, and then how elders function and the wider congregation functions. 
In short, today we're going to see that elders function in a church to ensure stability, health, and protection. Now, there's an obvious question I'm sure you're all asking. Why would you listen to three talks about eldership when only Maffie and I are becoming elders? Are these not three talks for Maffie and I to listen to? And uh, I'm glad you asked the question. And yes, we will be listening carefully to our own talks. Um, Three reasons why you should consider listening. The first one is uh, to understand and participate. It's important that those that call Christ City Church their home understand the role of elders and participate in this moment of us being appointed. Secondly, we would ask you to pray for us and pray intelligently for us in these moments and in the years to come. And God willing, other elders will be raised up. We need your prayers and we ask for them. Thirdly, discipleship. One of the things we're going to see as we go through this series is that to be an elder, in a sense, is to be a model disciple, modeling what the Christian life looks like in your context. And so if you want to grow as a disciple, we're going to be thinking about the characteristics of an elder, which are actually true for all disciples. So if you want to grow as a follower of Jesus, consider the things that are shared. So with this in mind, let's look at Acts chapter 6. Uh, which was an important and significant moment in the life of the early church. What's going on in Acts 6? Simply put, the church was growing because the gospel was bearing fruit, and therefore lots of new people were coming in as the gospel message was being shared, and everyone coming in needed to be cared for and nourished and included. And as the church grew, leadership structures had to be examined. And in what they did in adverting in Acts 6 is give the rest of church history, a model of how church leadership works and principles here. And here is one of the principles. Leaders are appointed in response to what God is doing. The reason we have the appointment of the seven in Acts 6 is that the word of God is spreading so rapidly, people are being converted. In those days, the number of disciples was increasing. So the word of the Lord spread. The number of disciples in Jerusalem increased rapidly. As the church grew, there were tensions and challenges that happened as the, as the, as the disciples jo- as the new believers joined. And so appointing leaders, and we'll see elders, is vital. So everyone is cared for, everyone is nourished, everyone is included. But leadership is uh, in response to what God is doing. It's God's church. And the, the order is so important. The spirit is at work, and and then leaders are appointed in in response to that. So a helpful analogy that I've used and many people have used is that of a trellis and a vine. The trellis is a wooden structure that helps the vine grow. The trellis, the structure, is not living, dynamic, growing, multiplying, flourishing. But it's vital to help what is living, dynamic, growing, multiplying, and flourishing grow. The vine is what matters. The vine is what is precious. And in this analogy, the vine is the people of God, the church. The people of God, with the word of God and the spirit of God, are at work amongst us, bearing much fruit. John 15 tells us that Jesus is the true vine. Through faith in him, we are grafted in as branches. And we become part of that vine. It is his church. The father is the vine dresser who's taking care of the church. And he's pruning and caring for it. Uh, But it is Jesus' life and power through the Spirit in the church. And we receive that life and power through a mystical union by faith through the Spirit. And if we are grafted into Jesus by faith, and if we live in his love and by his word, Jesus says, you will bear much fruit. It's going to happen. 
to his Father's glory. And branches that don't remain in him and don't bear fruit, well, the vine dresser will cut those off. So the vine, the church, has been pruned for greater fruitfulness. So the vine is the church, the people of God. The vine is growing. The vine is a living organism. The vine is what bears fruit, not the wooden trellis. The vine is what contains the life of Jesus amongst us, the word of God and the spirit of God in the people of God. But the leaders, the structures, the trellis, are servants of the vine, not stunting its growth but providing stability, nourishment, and protection so the vine doesn't get all unwieldy and flop over and not reach its potential. If you have the right trellis in place, the vine grows. So there's the, there's the basic idea. Leaders and structures in church life are put in place. Decision-making units, organization, administration, communication, delegation, the trellis. So the one really, that, that not, that's not what really matters, but it's fine. So what really matters is that every single person in the church and the church as a whole is growing and bearing fruit. And one key part of the trellis that God wants to put in place in his church are elders, also in the New Testament called pastors or overseers. Three, three words for the same role. They are part of the vine and then they become part of the trellis. We'll see this very clearly a bit later in the book of Acts. Chapter 13 and 14, Paul's on a missionary journey and he's going back after sharing the gospel and planting some churches and he comes back to encourage and strengthen those churches and we read this. Then they returned to Lystra, Iconium and Antioch, strengthening the disciples and encouraging them to remain true to the faith. We must go through many hardships to enter the kingdom of God, they said. Paul and Barnabas appointed elders for them in each church and with prayer and fasting which we will be doing, committed them to the Lord in whom they'd put their trust. Do you see the pattern? Jesus has a vine. This vine is growing because Paul and the, the other apostles are sharing the gospel. More people are being converted as they hear this gospel. The Spirit gives them life. And, and those, those people gather into Christian communities. That's the vine. And then the vine needs some structure. We need to appoint elders to make sure that vine is safe and secure. Or Titus 1, another example. Paul writes to Titus, the reason I left you in Crete was that you might put in order what was left unfinished. Paul, what was left unfinished in Crete? And appoint elders in every town, as I directed you. An elder must be blameless, and Matthew will look at that next week. Same again, Jesus is growing his vine. The gospel is going out, it's bearing fruit. Churches are then being planted. As churches are planted, the final role of a church being planted and finished, you need to appoint elders. That, what is the unfinished business in Christ City Church? Well, there's quite a lot of things, praise God. But one of them is we haven't appointed elders and we're nine years old. So as I said, an elder in the New Testament is also a pastor, is also an overseer. Three interchangeable words. They all give different ideas of what the role is, but it's the same person. So today, Acts chapter 6, elders do three things to a growing and fruitful vine. Bring stability through pastoral care. Ensure health through nourishment in the word. And provide protection from the devil's schemes. Why? Point one. The vine is complicated. So elders bring stability through pastoral care. It's complicated in Acts chapter 6, isn't it? Racial tension in the early church. In those days when the numbers of disciples are increasing, the Hellenistic Jews among them complained against the Hebraic Jews because their widows were being overlooked in the daily distribution of food. 
There's racial diversity in the early church and there's a tension that grows up. You see, two or three hundred years before this, the, the Jewish people had to figure out how to engage with Alexander the Great and the, and the Greek Empire. Do you, do, you adopt, do you adapt to it or do you resist it? And uh, Hel- the Hel- Hellenization, Hellenistic, is the spread of the Greek culture, religion, and language over the foreign people that Alexander and the rest of them conquered. And there were two ways the Jews responded at that time in the third century. Those that took the conservative line were mainly in Jerusalem, and they resisted and stayed pure to Jewish culture, religion, and language of the Hebrews. But then there were the liberal line, those Greeks who lived in the diaspora, who lived miles away from Jerusalem, because they'd been scattered in the exile and afterwards. And so they had no choice. They had to adopt the language and the culture, but they wanted to remain true to their religion. But they had to adopt the Greek language and culture. So it seems that these two groups then find themselves in Jerusalem in the early church, and they don't see eye to eye. There's the conservative Hebraic Jews probably thought that the liberal Hellenistic cousins are contaminated and impure with Greek ideas. And then there's the liberal Hellenistic Jews who probably thought those conservative Hebraic cousins are just narrow-minded and judgmental. Whatever the background, the widows of the Greek-speaking Jews were being overlooked in the daily distribution of food. And this could not be ignored because the Old Testament was very clear that our God is a God who cares for widows. We must defend their cause and provide for them. So it was a big problem. And the devil would have loved to get a foothold in that early church and cause tensions through this gossip, division, stunting the growth of the vine. Action was needed. Seven men were appointed. Now, what's remarkable about the seven names that are listed uh, is that they are all Greek-speaking names. My name, Stephen Stephanos, is a, a, from Greek background. And one of them is singled out as not being from Jerusalem and not from a Hebrew background, but converted. They chose... Uh, it's not on the slide, so it's verse 5. They chose Stephen, also Philip, Pachorus, Nicanor, Timon, Parmenas, uh, and Nicholas from Antioch, a convert to Judaism. The selection of the men was deliberate to counterbalance the lack of diversity that existed, to ensure there was no language barrier, and as a natural way of cooling down the simmering tensions. So, folks, the early church was into positive discrimination and diversity before our 21st century workplaces were. What's the big picture here? The church was about to implode because of its growth and the tensions and interrelational challenges that were happening, and pastoral leadership was required to bring stability and ensure everyone was cared for. So some applications. In a growing church in a cosmopolitan city, we should expect there to be some interracial, well, maybe interracial, but certainly interrelational tensions amongst us. That's not a sign of immaturity in a church. It's how you deal with those tensions that's a sign of immaturity or maturity. Often groups in church, don't they? I feel left out. I don't quite belong. I'm not there. I don't have the humor. I don't have the dress. I don't have the same money. Those things are normal. Happen in the early church. And we mustn't be surprised by them, but we must handle them well when they come along. And let's not be unaware of the devil's schemes to use earthly divisions to divide a church in a bigger way. We need pastoral care so everyone is cared for, listened to, and looked after. Secondly, leadership should represent the church. As far as possible, the leadership must represent the diversity of the congregation, ethnicity, age, gender, socioeconomic background, personality type, so on and so forth. There is not one type of leader in God's church. 
The church is varied and coloured and beautiful, and that colour and beauty must find its expression, not just in the life of the church, but in the leadership of the church. Even Maffie and I are very different, aren't we? In personality, temperament, background, accent, upbringing, and most importantly, size. (laughs) And that's a good thing. In time, over the coming years, we want to appoint more elders and grow the diversity. But it's not just elders, actually. The seven in this passage we'll see are actually more like deacons. So it's not just, it's, it's leadership in, as a whole in church life. We want all types of people. We have leadership team, we have congregation team, we have city group leaders, we have trustees, finance team members, we have staff team members, we have interns. We have, we want, over time, God, we want more diversity amongst us. There isn't one type of leader. Thirdly, leaders work in teams. There's 12 apostles, there's seven men chosen, it's Paul and Barnabas together going around, spreading the gospel of starting churches. In the New Testament, elders always function in teams. Always. Whilst the Bible absolutely knows the place for significant leaders who are used mightily by God, those significant leaders are never isolated and never work independently. Leaders who cannot lead in diverse teams cannot be leaders in God's church. There is no place for the lone ranger or the egomaniac. Leaders submit to the team they're a part of. A team may have a first among equals, but no leader is above the team. Point one, the vine is complicated. To ensure stability, elders are appointed for pastoral care, or leaders generally, actually, at this point. Two, the vine needs feeding, so elders ensure health through nourishment in the word. The issue of food is at the heart of Acts chapter 6, isn't it? The Greek widows needed feeding, and the apostles were at pains to make sure that they were fed. But they were also at pains to make sure the church at large was fed, not with bread, but with the word of God. Jesus said, man does not live on bread alone, but the very word of God. In, in, in John 15, he says, you must remain in my word, obeying it. Remain in my love, sorry, by obeying my word. And then you will bear much fruit. So the apostles didn't want to feed and nourish the Greek widows with bread and by doing so inadvertently malnourish the whole church by being too preoccupied with the food distribution project that they neglected the word of God and prayer. To solve the problem of physical nourishment at the expense of spiritual nourishment was not a good solution. Both were required. So what we have in Acts 6 is an early a form of two distinct types of leadership in the New Testament. Elders, who focus on teaching the people God's word and prayer, and deacons, who focus on the practical needs of God's people. So Philippians 1 shows that distinction. Paul and Timothy, servants of Christ Jesus, to all God's holy people in Christ Jesus at Philippi, together with the overseers, elders, pastors, and deacons. So there's three types of people Paul greets in the church. The church members, all God's holy people, the elders, those who are charged with prayer and ministry of the word, and the deacons who make sure the church is cared for and practically. The main responsibility of an elder, the main way elders exercise their pastoral care is through teaching the word. It's the word of God that creates the church in the first place. We saw that as the gospel spreads, people are born again and churches are planted. It's the word that does the work. And it's the word then that sustains us on the pilgrimage from this life to the next just as manna fed the people in the Old Testament. So the church is led by people who, verse 4, give their attention to prayer and the ministry of the word. 
Please note, it's not that caring for widows was beneath the apostles or of too little dignity or a waste of time. The exact opposite was from reading their Old Testament that they knew that these widows must be cared for. But there's different roles, different gifts, different teams, all working together, elders and deacons, to make sure the church is cared for. The potential banana skin in the early church, if it wasn't racial tension, was that the devil might use the racial tensions to get the apostles distracted from their primary task their God-given ministry of prayer and the word, and to leave the church without any defense against false doctrine and to leave the church malnourished, unable to handle the hardships that Paul says that are required to enter the kingdom of God. So, one application I'd love for you all to consider every week. I'd love it if in the week before Sunday when you receive the church email, you take a note of the Bible passage that's going to be preached on that week. And then you read it just once through ahead of Sunday. And then on Sunday, someone's going to go and preach God's word to you. Matthew and I will do the bulk of that, but other preachers will be involved, as you know. And then in city groups during the week, which are about to restart, we will go through that passage again. And so the word of God starts to dwell in us richly, as Paul says. Sustaining us, nourishing us, living in us. We memorize it, we chew on it, and we bear much fruit to the glory of the Father. Let's be a church expectant to hear and be changed by God's word. So I ask you to consider whether you can do that each week. Point one, the vine is complicated, so elders bring stability through pastoral care. Point two, the vine needs feeding, so elders show health through nourishment in the word. Point three, the vine is under attack, so elders provide protection from the devil's schemes. In John 15, just a bit after the passage that was read, Jesus says these famous words. The world hates you. Keep in mind, it hated me first. A servant is not greater than his master. If they persecuted me, they'll persecute you also. The vine has always been under attack. Why? Because the true vine, who we're all grafted into, was always under attack. He was slandered. He was misunderstood. He was treated unfairly. He was rejected. He was despised. He was punched. They pulled his beard. They spat on him, and they crucified him. The world hated him. And if you're grafted into him, at some point the world will hate you. The vine has always been under attack. If you want to be grafted into Jesus, or if you are, Paul said, didn't he? You have to face many hardships. That's what he went around and told those churches to enter the kingdom of God. In the book of Acts, we see the devil's schemes are many and subtle. He comes with physical attack, through the authorities, putting the apostles in prison, for example. He comes with false prophets who try to deceive the word for their own power and glory and and for money. He comes with compromise and greed with Ananias and Sapphira who lie about money. In Acts chapters 2 to 4, we see him trying to intimidate the church from the outside. Fear, physical force, ostracism, imprisonment, slander. In Acts chapters 5 to 6, much more subtle. He tries to collapse the church on the inside through moral compromise and relational bust-ups. In Acts chapter 7, Stephen will be martyred, though the devil will find out to his horror that the blood of the martyrs is the seed of the church. You kill the church and it just leads to more fruitfulness. It's moral compromise and greed that really stunts the vine. Not death of of, of the vine. You kill the seed, more will grow. A bit of moral compromise, a bit of greed, 
bit of relational tension. Ah, the vine will be, the vine will be stunted for decades. You've seen it. You're no churches. No growth. Not because they were being persecuted, but because inside there wasn't the health that should have been there. So let's not be so naive as to think that the tensions that existed between the Greek and the Jewish widows was surely a, pu- a human problem. The devil was trying to get a foothold and stop the growth of that early vine. What is required? Leaders who are proven, blameless, of reputable character, who are well-versed in God's word and sound doctrine, who can ensure the vine is protected, and particularly when it comes to false teaching, who can protect the flock. What are the application? Leaders are to be selected on proven character. Do you notice the descriptions of the seven that were chosen, particularly Stephen, verse 3? Brothers and sisters, choose seven among you who are known, who are known to be full of the spirit and wisdom. Verse 5, they chose Stephen, a man full of faith and of the Holy Spirit. Verse 6, 8, now Stephen, a man full of grace and power, performed great wonders and signs amongst the people. Stephen was a full man. Wasn't he? Full of all the right things. The Holy Spirit, wisdom, faith, grace, power. He was a man of character and substance. God had worked deeply in him and he was known. And therefore he was anointed or appointed, excuse me, for the role. A Scottish preacher from 150 years ago, Robert Murray McShane, is reputed to have said to a group of ministers, what your people need most is your personal holiness. And that's what Stephen gives us. Like Moses, who had been so long in the presence of God that his face shone, so when Stephen was being martyred, his face shone like an angel. He'd been with God and God had changed him. There may be people who are more gifted, more charismatic, more able to get results, whatever that means, more impressive according to worldly credentials, people who have been allowed to minister in other churches, but they don't have a proven character in the life of our church, and they should not be appointed as leaders or elders. They won't have the integrity, the ballast, the wisdom to protect the flock from the devil's schemes. Secondly, leadership selection is affirmed by the church. Notice verse 3. Within that broad parameter of a proven character, the elders, the, the apostles actually hand over the selection to the church. Brothers and sisters, choose seven from among you who are known to be. Off he goes. This verse 5. This proposal pleased the whole group. They chose Stephen, a man full of faith. And that's why it's important that we're doing these talks because we want you to understand the role and we want you to participate in this moment. Maffi and I only want to be servants of you. We don't want to lord it over you. We will long for your prayer and your support and we will need it. We asked that God would raise up other elders and you'd be there to help go, yeah, those are the people we should be appointing. So let's summarize to finish. Jesus is the true vine. We are his branches, and his father is the vine dresser. He has given the church his spirit and his word that we might grow and mature and be fruitful and multiply as we share that word with others and more churches are planted as more people become believers. As the church grows, an appropriate trellis needs to be put in place. A component of that trellis is the appointing of elders, also known as overseers or pastors. Through a growing and fruitful vine, elders are appointed to bring stability through pastoral care, to ensure health through nourishment in the word, and to provide protection from the devil's schemes. So over these three weeks, please pray for for the different leaders in the church, leadership team, who Matthew and I will still function amongst, the congregation team, we have one here in South, there's one in Central, 
the city group leaders who will be starting up soon, the Sunday team leaders, some of them have been serving today, finance team, which Vaughan heads up, our trustees, which Maria heads up, administration teams, staff teams. And pray for Maffi and I, of course, please. Leaders need prayer. But secondly, let's be praying for the vine, not just the trellis. What does it say there in verse 7? So the word of God spread. The number of disciples in Dublin increased rapidly. And a large number of locals became obedient to the faith. That's how I hope this Bible ends up being read one day. Let's pray for the vine. The trellis isn't the important bit, the vine is. Let's pray that the word spreads, that you and I take the word out onto the streets, into our community, into our neighbours, our friends, our colleagues. And let's pray the spirit of God is at work so the vine grows and the trellis is there to support it. The gospel might spread, the spirit might work, the vine might grow and bear fruit. Or what did Jesus say? To the glory of God. Amen. Let me pray and we're going to respond in song. Heavenly Father, we, we thank you for this moment in the life of our church um, where we can appoint elders. And I, I pray for all of us that we'd be able to participate. And myself and Maffi, Lord, we feel the weight of this. But that as a church, appropriately, there'd be a weight felt as well. And uh, we thank you not just for, for the moment that we get to appoint, uh, you know, we get to be appointed, but we also thank you for the many leaders that have been appointed. And we pray for all of our leaders to be strengthened through this time and the congregation as a whole. And we pray more than anything again, Lord, our desperate prayer is that many people might become followers of Jesus through hearing the gospel and your spirit would give them life and the vine might grow and the Father might receive glory in all things. And so we pray all that in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.